Welcome to Inside the Firm, a podcast dedicated to small business owners and hosted by entrepreneurs, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Each week, they take you on their journey of how to start, run, and grow a business by bringing you inside their architecture and real estate development firm. Get a behind-the-scenes tour of how these business leaders manage their clients and foster company culture while creating new and innovative projects. And now your hosts, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Welcome to Inside the Firm, where I am your only host. I'm here with Lance Psycho, my backup dancer. <laughs> and I am your host, Al Gore. Uh, before we get into anything, would you like to uh, interpret dance any sponsors for us? Well, I'll tell you what, I don't know if you know this, but planning architecture can be difficult. Uh, it, you know, it encompasses mul- mul- multiple projects, uh, and it often involves several team members. I don't know if you know that. Are you aware of that now? All I've been doing is going from one team member to another team member, trying to do my own work. I don't even think I do work anymore. Wow. I just... I just you just do that. Try to solve Well, let me tell you, keeping everyone's duties and data in order can be difficult, and an email thread sometimes won't cut it. That's why ArcCat.com, the number one most used website for finding building product information developed by Charette, a free online tool that will help you organize and collaborate, assign team members to tasks, share ideas. You can even use ArcCat's free library of product information to attach relevant proposals or build an outline specification. After you're done, you can publish your project into an online portfolio that will advertise your firm's work to the world. See if Charette is the right tool for you at arccat.com. That's A-R-C-A-T.com. And Time start building better content. Time out. Time Are out. you telling me? I'm telling you. Besides me using Arcat to get products and specs, yeah. which is what I do. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm, I don't even know if you know this. There's a new organizational tool called Correct. Charette? Correct. Correct. And I suggest you start to use, instead of running around all over to everybody else's desk, you start using that. And I want well, you to report back to us. I will be. And the listeners. I, I've just been telling my guys, remember this project we talked about? Make sure you put that in the specs. Remember this project? Make sure you put this on the drawings. We're putting it on the general. It's made. So apparently. This is made for you, Mr. Al Gore. Write that down, everyone. Charette, a free online tool that will help you organize and collaborate. Yeah. Go, go to arcat.com today. Check it out. Speaking of that, speaking of, uh, about running around like a chicken with your head cut off. Yep. Is which what I've been doing. I think you have an idea that you got from a book that about how the days can get away from you. And I just can't shut up about this book, as you can tell. Yeah. Right? It's great. This book is called, I highly recommend everybody read it or listen to it or however you digest these books. It's called The Wealthy Gardener. Gardener. It's fantastic. It is, let me see here. John Raforic, I think his name is, is the author. Let me look it up here real quick. Uh, so I try to check it out on Audible. Yeah. John Soforic, sorry, S-O-F-O-R-I-C, The Wealthy Gardener. Uh, it's basically, it's called The the Life uh, life Lessons on Prosperity Between Father and Son. Phenomenal book. Everybody knows, everybody who listens to this knows that I'm a gardener. Uh, it's, it's what I do on the weekends besides hanging out with the fam. It's how I be introvert for the weekend. And so this book is just like my, it's my, my mana, 100%. And one of the best so he so he goes through and he talks about he tells his journey about being a chiropractor, which is a service based business, which right. is really parallel to architecture, design, any kind of design business like that, <clears throat> and how he turned into a real estate mogul. And the only and then and then he talks about how he wrote this book, like he felt compelled 
by the universe to write this book. Mm-hmm. So he heard this inner voice. He just had to do it, right? And you do this all the time, Al. Like, that's why you had to write your book. You're like, I right. got I to gotta write this book. I got to do the space stuff, right? This weekend, yeah. you guys, you, you, and the, you and the kids got to go touch trucks. That's we your to, thing. Well, also, can I tell you, can I just interrupt? Absolutely. Um, the, the baby was upset not going to bed because Atlas and I were playing. So we had to be quiet. So he was whispering. So I just had to initiate a tickle fight, which I dominated. Dominated. Him on. He barely, he didn't even get a tickle in. I bet. But but it was a tickle fight, and he had to try to hold in his laughs. <laughs> so he was struggling, and I was just getting him good. There's some things you just have to do. You have to do right. So so uh, this guy. So John had to write this book, and he described he described a methodology that he developed in order to be able to write this book, and it's called creating an impact hour. And we've sort of touched on this before, but I think we hasn't been it hasn't been well defined yet. Right. And so uh, what he would do is he would go in before he'd go into his office before all the chaos started, and he would have his impact hour. And he said that was the most valuable hour. Nobody was around. It was quiet time. That's when he got most of the important stuff done. That's when he could have the biggest impact on his life, his 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 world, his family's world, the whole the whole thing, right? And he's followed that and carried that through his his practice and just his life. And now the guy, according to this book, it was written a while ago, he ended up, you know, one of his goals that he set out during the impact hour was, I want to make $220,000 a year annually off of all of my rentals. And he's like, he wrote that down, he focused on it, and that's how he, that's how he got it done. So I do this, and I know you do this, Al, right? You show up early in the morning. Oh, all the, my all impact, every day. Yeah, every day. And usually Alex and I will text maybe a little bit before uh, the rest of the staff gets in and because and we're kind of like, it's usually at the end, I would say, of our impact hours because I've already tackled most of my emails, all that stuff. Um, so if I, there's no way, a lot of people always ask Alex and I, how do you guys do all these things? How are you, how are you guys, developers, contractors, architects, podcasters, professors, family people, uh, volunteers all over in your community, stuff like that. And it comes down to, I'm telling you, the secret of it is, is blocking out time in the morning when nobody's up, it's just you in the world, I know you were you were meditating at one point. I was meditating yep, still at one, doing it. Still doing minutes. it. Exactly. Ten minutes a day using the whatever app that is. Uh, Sam Harris. Oh, you're doing the Sam Harris one. Yep. Very cool. Yep, I like it. Yeah. And then knocking stuff out. So what I do, what it allows me to do basically is sort of stay ahead of everybody. Um, and sometimes sometimes I'll even have like a pre-impact hour. So I've, I've said this before too a couple of times is that there's a piece of software it's called um, Yesware that you can you can it is sort of it's an app that, that attaches to your Gmail if you're running everything to your Gmail it allows you to schedule emails if you don't want to pay the thirty dollars a month I just found this out that you can pre-schedule emails using Gmail there's a little button and everything you can do. Um, but like my impact hours on the weekend are even more powerful than they are during the week because on the weekend for sure, nobody's working. So I can extend my impact hours. Like let's say I get up at seven on a Saturday all the way till 10 AM before even the kids get up and I start making breakfast. That's a dream in, in my world. Yeah. And Alex isn't there cause he has babies, right? I got, I got my, fa- my family sleeps in on the weekends. It's, yeah. it's glorious except for me because I just don't sleep that much. Yeah. That's great. So my, so my impact hours on the weekend are three to four hours. And then, like, I will have, by the end of the weekend, uh, it was like 12 emails 
on, I, I'll go to bed peacefully on Sunday night going like, boom, I'm ahead of everybody. All these emails are pre-scheduled. They're ready to go out. And then I can go on and it, it basically allows me to multiply myself. So then I can go and I'm like, hey, I don't have to be office guy on Monday morning. I can be contractor developer guy out on the site doing that and then come back in after the afternoon, then catch up on emails and stuff. Yep. Um, that's, I, when I got in today, he just introduced the impact hour. So when I saw it on the agenda, I was like, this is awesome. This is great. Um, and one thing that I'll do because I know I'll get pulled in a million different directions and it took me probably, I've been doing this for at least a month now, maybe even longer is I plan out my week and how I do this is normally what I used to do is like, I'd have, um, four tasks that I know would take me at least two to three hours. And I'd put them all on Monday agenda because Ooh. I'm, because I'm just going to go from two hours to two hours to two hours, to two hours. I'll get them all Nobody's, done. Nobody's, it's your world. Nobody yeah. else is interfering with it, nope. Al. Silly Al. So now what I do is I put those on, one on each day. So I have one big task a day. And then I know that I'll have maybe some smaller tasks and then get pulled around. Um, but in the morning, that is probably the start of my impact hour. Like, okay, what do I need to transfer from yesterday to today? How do I actually spread that out? Um, instead of just like recopying the whole list every day. No, no, no. It's one major task a day. Get that done. You're doing all right. Which is kind of another part of this book that I am, I've just found fascinating and that I need, I, I even kind of had the premonition that I, I need to, as a, as a human being, who, who is also a control freak, like in the sense of like, I like my house clean. Um, I like everything to be neat and organized. I used to clean out my email box all the time before we got busy and uh, like there was a million, million emails is be comfortable with weeds. So this is, this is a book about gardening, right? So the idea is like, yes, you'll be able to weed. Let's say you go out and you weed your garden. You have a 10 by 10 plot. You go out and weed your garden this weekend. Oh, at the end of it, it's beautifully weed free. Mm-hmm. Guess what's going to happen over the week? More weeds are going to grow up. So you're always playing, especially with in uh, the field, that, in the design world, in the construction world, in, in any kind of entrepreneurial world, these weeds, these little whack-a-moles are going to come up. And you need to just get comfortable with, you can only tackle so much at once. You know, th- that's that you solving all those problems that pop up is the challenge. And the more you get comfortable with that, yep. And, the, and you, I think the less itchy you get. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, but that goes directly to projects. Each one of these projects, no matter what, is going to have weeds in it. So plan for it, plan time for it, and know that at each stage, it's never, never solved. Um, I was working with one consultant. And basically they're pushing us like, oh, everything needs to be set and then they can start like everything's going to be set by the time it goes to the building permit. And I still feel like there's going to be field changes. So you won't start until after we put in for permit, apparently, you know, that's crazy. So it's just a side story about, man, nothing's, nothing's set. We can get 80% there, you know, with the, the only systems. Thing that's, the only thing that's constant is change, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I, I think that's good. If you don't have this email impact hour, let's say you do that to work, you can do what the book said, what, and he did the story of John Grisham. John Grisham just wrote in that impact hour. Maybe you just write, or maybe you take photography. Maybe you Oh, edit. that's what maybe it was. It was John Grisham because everybody doesn't know this. I don't know if maybe they do that. He was an attorney. Yes. And that's how he started his novel career. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So it can be just one task. And I would almost recommend that. 
You know, like your one little passion thing that oh, you want to well, do. Oh, let's talk about that a little bit a little bit further, right? When you were taking your test, impact hour in the morning, right? Same thing with me, impact hour in the morning. No, it was taking the test, was studying. Studying, that's what I mean. Yes, Study exactly. in the morning, every morning. And then how, and like if people go back and listen to, I don't know what episode, when Lance passed the contractor test, same thing. IBC, every morning, boom, reading it. Uh, whatever it takes. I, you see, dedicating that one task that you need to to achieve that one goal and, yep. and you just consistently do it. And I don't know if there is there can be an impact hour at night. Maybe. I know Nicholas Renard mm. is one of those guys that actually gets it done because he'll come home, they'll put the have supper, have put the kids to bed. And if you go back and listen to the episode he was on with us, with me, he, he explained that. Yep. And then afterwards... He he he's by himself in the back porch. He's getting design work done. He's doing his impact hours that way. I think some people are like that. The only thing I can do is read or watch educational videos at that time. Um, I, I can't do real work at that time. I can't either. That's when I'm. That's when I'm. Yeah, it's doing personal stuff. I'm not so. Well, I don't know. The, the the more the more books I read, the more books you read, Al. The more other business owners that we talk to and like just people that you follow who are successful. It seems like they really harness that morning. seems like, man, you just, if you can, if you can become a morning person, yep. I don't know the world's your oyster. Yep. Cool. So, uh, moving on, evaluating a rookie versus a newbie. Yeah. It seems like the same thing. What are you getting at? <laughs> what am I getting at? Uh, I'm getting at, so we have, we have went through another round of hiring at F9. Uh, and, what it taught, so the, the short story is, is when you hire somebody new, so we have a very specific set of uh, tutorials. You go to RevitRocketShit.com and check it out if you're trying to transition to Revit. Alex, Alex's wonderful golden voice, walks you through basically a crash, it's not even a crash course of Revit, it is, it is a reflection of how we teach it at the university. It's a proven method. So um, everybody who comes in new, they, they take the course, right? And we have veterans at our at our office now, and veterans meaning like they've been here for three to five years. They they know they've worked with cl- this certain set of clients. So this new person that I had work, um, they're working remotely. By the time we he was done with basically putting together this basic set of documents for a new house that uh, that this other gal drew up, and were more or less acting like her uh, architectural oversight and drafting team. And um, I, I sent an email out to uh, our three veterans plus Al and said, how much, how much time would this have taken you to do? And each of them said eight hours, except for Al. Me and Al both decided like, yeah, we know better. Like you multiply whatever the guys, whatever the guys or gals say, like eh, multiply it by a little bit. Cause it's just going to be everybody. Th- I think everybody thinks subjectively they're faster than they are. Right. Yeah. So I multiplied it out and it was, I brought it to 12 hours. Multiply that times our times our hourly rate, which is seventy five an hour, nine hundred dollars. What we're going to build a client. Why I asked him that is because this this new worker uh, took sixty hours to do this, and Alex guessed it and I guessed it. But when you multiplied that, when you multiply their hours times what 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 they're getting compensated for from an entry level position at our at our place, it was basically a wash. So. What I, why I wanted to bring this up is I think a lot of people are, a lot of people listening are sole practitioners because most of half, most of architects practice, or half of architects practice just as a singularity, as one person. It's really nerve wracking to think about hiring your first person. 
And so how do you how do you how do you gauge if that if this new employee is going to pan out well or if they're just man if it took let's say 120 hours maybe there's just no real hope right <laughs> and then you honestly like you might they might just be that way they might be just overthinking we've had employees like that before so i think it is if you can get to that equation where you have you either you look at it and say like this would have took taken me Eight hours, multiply it by a little bit because, you know, even even you yourself is going to say are going to say that you think you're faster than you are compared with what it took that person. If it's actually a wash and there's no profitability, I think it's a safe bet to keep moving, moving ahead with that person. If they're double or if they're double of what it would have taken and you're losing money right away, I think you proceed with extreme caution. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a lesson. I, I Yeah. And then I, I think it's a lesson too. I think a lot of people learn that it, it the hard way is, um, man, the difference between someone three years in versus one year in and the difference in, in value and, and what they can produce and, and what you can produce is that you don't know until you get your, get your feet wet. Um, I don't know who that, I don't know if that's advice for people to be more humble entering the market, but also I want people to, you know, get what they're worth too. Um, but just know if you're getting feedback and you're just starting out, there's a lot of the ocean that you haven't explored yet or seen, and that's where it's coming from and you will get there, but just know patience is a virtue. Um, it is. And keep grinding. Keep grinding. Um, I have an update. Update us out. So Upcodes is in a legal battle versus, uh, ICC International Code Council, and they've been posting some stuff back and forth on Twitter. And, you know, basically ICC will lay out a good argument about how they should just, you know, buy, they should just be able to lease rights to use their stuff. Um, and then Upcodes will say, hey, they're, they're lying about the process and, and how it works. And obviously they're going to, to battle. And I always peeled away the onions and, and Upcode, you know, kind of said this too in their tweet is that, okay, it's not all about this licensing and, and the process. It's about who can teach someone the law, right? Who can teach someone the law? So imagine the constitution or and any, any law and imagine if only like Harvard could t- teach it or you had to pay Harvard. It doesn't seem very public. What? Yeah. Or you had to pay. And law is usually public. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or you had to pay whoever wrote that law for you to teach it. Man, that seems like it would really stifle innovation. I almost know for a fact it's going to stifle innovation. And then you go to the IEC perspective and you go like, well, we had to make these laws. You know, they cost money. How do we pay for it? One of the things that hurts them the most is how much their top management gets paid. Like, holy cow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's shown. Um, but, but the second thing is, I think the answer can be, I don't know. That's, that's literally not our issue. Because maybe it's you, you charge the government, you know, to make up these laws, but then it doesn't get adopted. So you give it to the government to free. And then your business model is that then people pay you for these books and that stuff. Ooh, I understand how that is a great way to get a monopoly on the law. Yeah. But then you're getting a monopoly on the law and there shouldn't be a monopoly on the law. So I think they're in a pickle of how they raise money. But I think... Upcodes is right is there's you can't have a limit on who teaches what the law is and if the law is in a in a public domain I don't think there can be a limit 
for how much you grab out of that. I'm sorry. I, I you can play play devil's advocate. I think you agree with me, but what a limit on teaching the no, law? Well, nobody. Uh, if something's in the public domain, nobody can have a do, uh, nobody should be able to have a monopoly on it, right? Right. So in most, but, but, but Lance, we 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 paid. We've had studies. We've had committees. We have to pay these people. I need a salary. Um, we have to convince governments to adopt it. How do I get paid? Well, uh, again, I don't think that's our problem. You know, I'm just reacting to kind of what you had to say. Yeah, the, the law isn't a profit-making thing. It's like, not a profit. Yeah, you, like I don't think you entered into a. I think you're in. I think you're trying to make something public into a privatized in a privatized business model like what i'm not sure that's how it works they're a non-profit right isn't the icc a non-profit technically yes well then there you go i mean then it kind of boils down again but to, they have salaries and some of them are yeah but that's not that's not you yeah, know i know i get it yeah i get it and, and and i don't think we have a solution but but i think the answer is like you know what laws aren't made to have a license for you to use their content. So, man, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you either. Yeah, this will be interesting as it unfolds. Do they have any? So, by the way, the tweet Alex is referencing, he's got it pulled up here in our show notes, uh, August 2nd. So this was recent. Um, Do they have, and and then it says, uh, filled out a response today. Last step of motion for summary judgment. Do you have any idea when they think the judgment will be? Maybe by the end of the year? Maybe by the end of the year. Keep us up to date. It's super interesting because I wonder if it breaks open those codes. I mean, that's here's is the, what frustrates me is like you guys are crying for public safety all the time. You guys, meaning meaning you know, code council, uh, yep. all of these jurisdictions that are in for, code enforcement, right? Public safety, public safety. We had a license, public safety, yep. so welfare. Well, then make it as accessible as possible, right? Make it so no, make it so you can point at. Inspector guy, make it so you can point at somebody on the job site and go, what the hell? Yep. You got the access to all the codes. No excuse, buddy. Yep. No excuse. Yep. And, 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 and they'll, um, ICC says, hey, you can access them online. But, and know what is weird? Like it used to be harder before. It used to be very it hard. It did get easier after this. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is, which is weird. Um, and they're saying, well, upcodes, they have options where you can pay, right? You can pay for their software. You can pay to have like search preferences, um, but they can still view it. So uh, their argument is that they're making money off of their, they shouldn't, maybe that's their best argument. Like you guys don't get to make money either. either. You, yeah, maybe you need to be, if you want to continue this, you need to be a non-for-profit. I could see if they change to a not, not non-for-profit and and, and then you're doubling the problem. Well, well, yeah, you're doubling the problem because it's like, can no one have, if you want to, well, here's what they're saying, I, ICC, if you want to make a profit by making an application that can automatically check a, something, like your model for errors, if you're making a profit, then we get to make a profit. There you go. And, and I almost, I almost, I kind of like that because at least it would start competition. I almost buy that, but, but here's the problem. Here, if it's a law, and let's say they were developing, because if I, if Upcodes makes it, their software, they have to pay software engineers, right? And they're gonna charge whatever, but they have to give a cut to ICC. If ICC says, like, we'll just hire our own software engineers, ratchet up their licensing, 
then we'll win and we'll get both of it. And they could literally just steal their idea or, or you know, so like yeah. that's, then, then, then you are limiting competition and you're limiting growth because, you know, they can just literally I, control it. So, oh, got, it's very tough. Yeah. I got a, I got a question for you. What? If Upcodes loses this case yeah. and the judge rules in favor of the ICC, will this finally prove to you that government creates most, if not all monopolies through protectionism? Um, it or will at least validate the idea? It will validate the idea. It won't prove anything to me because I don't look into it enough. Fair enough. Totally fair. <laughs> totally fair. Totally fair. Yeah. I know. I need to find a book that consolidates it all. Uh, and this is off a tangent, but like uh, Coca-Cola, if anybody ever, if people just want to this weekend, if you get bored, somebody gets bored, look up how Coca-Cola worked with the government to create a monopoly Can on their stuff. Us? I want to know. So, so what it was, was <clears throat> Coca-Cola lobbied the government yeah. to say that the only people, the only, the only corporation, so, uh, the only corporation and citizens can't do this. So only a corporation can do this. We're the only ones that can import cocoa leaves. Oh, I remember that. Yep. And I don't remember the case or anything like that, but I wish there was a book that consolidated them all. Because if you go and if you really do look hard enough... And And the government's like, yeah, that seems like a great idea. Yeah, it's... Well, public safety and welfare. That's what it was. Why? Because cocoa leaves have cocaine in them? Because you could refine it into cocaine, yeah. And Uh, they did. I used to have cocaine, so... You know, it's always this, we're trying to save Johnny, you know, or whatever. You got to help us out. So check it I out. got a refinery plant for cocoa leaves <laughs> in my basement. Um, okay, awesome. Now we have a bunch of listener questions. Which are great. Keep sending them in. I got one from LinkedIn. Where'd you get yours now? Two emails. Beautiful. Yep. Um, so do you want to read this question? Yeah. So uh, because it's, it was to me, I guess. Yeah. So this is from Adam Sinclair who uh, contacted me on LinkedIn. It was great. Lance, quick question for the podcast. I noticed just about every industry has clear upfront pricing, advertised and marketing collateral and web, uh, and then in quotations, uh, Dropbox, Dell, Ford, etc. I have no insight to this, but I assume it's a way to set expectations easy and gain passive sales. However, in the professional services sector, there is little to none. Why do you think architecture consistently bids by job? Do you think there's a way to systematize types of projects to define clear upfront pricing? I think the answer to this, to the question, the first question is simpler than you think. The reason why Dropbox, Dell, Ford, etc., has upfront pricing is because they already made the product and you just buy the product and that's it. Yeah, and he kind of alluded to that. Yep. Yeah. Um, the only way to do it in architecture is not sympathize types of project, but literally the only way to do this and I think this is a, is a clear line, and I don't, I don't know if people will agree on me, is you literally design a building or a plan, and you do it all, and you put it up for sale, like those house plans on lines or building plans online, and you say, this is $24,000. If you don't, that is a product. A, a service is dealing with the land type, the jurisdiction, what codes you can use, what clients you use. So it can't be a product. It cannot. Unless you do all the work, everyone that's selling something at a price, a fixed price, made the product and the product doesn't change. Well, doctors, so, doctors don't even do it, right? There's, I would think that's about as close as you can get to. Oh, doctors do it so astronomically that it doesn't matter. It, right, it, but they don't, put the, they don't put the prices up in front. Right. That's what I'm saying. Right, exactly, exactly. So we could do it if you want to do all the work up front. <laughs> and then sell it. The problem is 
people go, that's not going to fit on my lot. And that's not what I want. Yeah, that's that's not what I want. Custom fees for custom clients, I guess. You know, that's yeah. one short answer of saying it. But here's what I would say is, I think, I think, I don't think, the other thing is, I just try to put myself in the shoes of, okay, let, let's say we took that leap. Here's what it costs for a uh, master suite edition off the back of the house. And then here's what it costs for a, you're popping the top of a house, adding, adding another story. Here's what it costs for a new house. Here's what it costs for a ten- tenant finish, et cetera, et cetera. I, 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 I still get leery about the idea of everybody else can see my prices. What's stopping them from undercutting me? I mean, maybe, maybe they wouldn't. Maybe they would. Like, we still have this, I don't know, maybe that's just basic human psychology. Like, where, you know, like, where does that all come from? Everybody kind of, I don't know. It'd be, it's like our, we're playing poker, right? Is that what we're doing? And we can't show all of our cards? I'm trying to come up with a good analogy here. Uh, of, of why not to. Of why we don't, why, I mean... I'm, I'm, we're not going to. Right. Clearly. <laughs> I think the list would just get too long. A house in Longmont at, at this many square foot costs this. A house in Boulder costs this. A house in this costs this. The level of finishes affect this. The level of drawings you want. The client, client person. Like, I just don't no, know. No, no, wait, that's a, and that's a great point. Here's what I would say, though, Adam. I think, I think Alex basically explained why, right? And I think it's a good reason why not to do it. But what I do think is, and this is is very important for you to have some rough numbers in your head about what things cost. So when you go out on a sales meeting and the time is right, it's with the right kind of client. Maybe you're just like in complete shark mode and you're ready to sell, sell, sell. And you can just flat out tell them, here's what it's going to cost. No more, no less. If I've done that before in those meetings and I've had clients flat out to my face go, that's that's exactly what I wanted to hear. Like deal. I want, yep. Just like I, they, some people want that kind of reassurance, but again, even then I think it's not every client wants that right up front. Right. They really don't like, so you have to feel that out. And, and I agree with that a hundred percent. Let's say like a TI tenant improvement, and you could relate this to your industry or, or whatever is I'll have a number in my head of architectural fees from 8,000 to 16,000 for a small TI, whatever. And then I will be able to say after the meeting, oh, what is this going to cost me? This is going to cost $12,000. $12,432. Yep. Like, okay. What's the 32 for? That's printing you know. costs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, printing costs and taxes. Yeah. So, um, okay. Awesome. Good one. Okay. I'll give you a question. <clears throat> I love how this guy starts it out. Hey, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to the podcast. Big fan. Got a question that's plagued me forever. Backstory in a nutshell. I'm a self taught licensed architect in California with no formal education, proficient at project management, design production, and firm admin, heavy commercial. Also have a CM and forensic experience. I started this adventure when I was 19. He's 32 now. My issue is finding capital and clientele to do my own thing, looking for freedom more so than money. My day-to-day buries me with work. I love teaching junior staff, but it's a tricky balance. They pay me well-ish, Promise me a future, but give the kisses, kiss asses, the fame work and push all the real shit my way. I crush everything I do, but I just uh, keep piling it on me. For example, I have 10 design build projects, all different subs, all sub engineers, all range from 36, you know, thousand square feet to 300,000. Literally draw and manage them all with a little help. I'm beginning to effing hate architecture. Dang. I have some savings that could hold me over for five to six months 
have everything organized, ready, incorporated, incorporated, uh, branded. The economy's hot. Looks good. Here for two years. What the hell should I do? Jump. Jump, jump, jump. jump, One of my favorite little quotes that I I came up with is, uh, if a frog finds out it's in a a pot of boiling water, should it jump or stay in? And I think you are finding yourself in a pot of boiling water, and it's starting to make you hate your environment. And I would say it's time to jump. I think even... There's no, there's no better time to just move on and, and, and start doing something when you feel the passion and you have the energy and the, and the fuel in your belly and the fire in your belly than now. Because even if you did it like when me and Alex did it in the harder with this recession, if that, was, if that was planned, if that was seriously planned, I mean, we'd have, we'd have waited another 10 years. You know, and you're well, looking... Yeah, we wanted to. Exactly. Exactly. And then you're looking for... And then like even now, okay, you start looking at the, so if everybody hasn't followed the news lately, the yield curve, which is, is um, the treasury, it has to do with the treasury bonds and what kind of yield you'll get if you invest in them, right? It fell below 2%. That is a, that is a big um, indicator of like eh, 22 months might hit, probably going to hit a recession. Yep. So there's a lot of factors right now globally and everything that point towards, it looks like we're headed for a downturn. I still would jump. I would still jump. If you have that kind of cash saved up five to six months, happiness is everything. And what, and again, I would point back to this. Maybe maybe listen to, maybe check out The Wealthy Gardener and find all the parallels that he describes in his, his book and his life to what you're doing right now where he's overworked, but then find your impact hour. So how can you use your impact hour before you even start work for who you're working for now to follow your passion and your, and you and what what you value most. Yep. And and I think uh, the smart rational way to do it is you find if you're doing ten projects and look pat look back the last five years and find your best clients that you've worked with, ones that you can trust. And say hey, not on this project, but do you have any projects going forward? And if you do, would you? If I started my own thing, would you hire me to do it? And if you've been doing all the work and doing good work, like you said, they should say yes. They should say yes. So you should have some in your pocket before you go. And the reason I say that is because I feel like you should try to bring on someone junior with you. Yes. I think that maybe you think you've been handling all the um, negotiations and getting stuff. and, And you could be a Superman. You could be a Superman, right? But there's more to it than you think, and you're going to have to do a lot of this talking back and forth, which I'm sure you're maybe familiar with, and you're going to need someone to sit there and just do the do work. So that's where if you line some people up, you'll have some surety that you can hire some, some kid, some young adult for three months to get you started and have something in your pocket. The only way not to jump is to say, hey, um, hey bosses, I think it's pretty evident that I've been doing a good job. If not, I'd be happy to show you. I'm happy to talk to clients and, and have them, you know, give references. But it, but if that's established, um, I am literally going to quit unless I get some of these project typologies. I've been bringing it up for a while. I'm at a breaking point. Uh, if I don't get some of these projects in the next one month, one month, I I'm quitting. Absolutely. I think uh, there you go. Maybe there may, maybe you negotiate that way too, for sure. Because um, what if they like, what if you are not as strict? 
the thing is people think that they're saying they think they're being blunt but you might not be so maybe i like the blunt. deadline idea one month one month that's yeah. what you got give give some demands up yeah yep absolutely absolutely yeah try it out uh gosh there was something on my tip of my tongue and then you went on your rant and i'm spacing it right now um jumping leaping oh dude. oh here's what it was if you do make the leap i think one of the best things that that um stuck with me after getting laid off and then we started f9 was don't ever forget all the stuff you hate at that other firm don't ever like for me one of the biggest things was i hate the work environment it is so boring and cold and the coworker won't talk to me i want to have fun and we have so much fun at f9 it's uh, it's it's the best it's the best like we have this amazing group of talented young people that are like everybody's friends everybody gets the jokes there's everybody it's it's the best whatever you hate the most do the opposite of that there you go there you go question two um different person should i establish my thinking about doing something uh moving out should i establish my llc now even if i'm still employed yes what can that hurt Nothing. nobody's gonna find out about it uh if you're worried about that like i, I i'm just guessing um and then remember remember the rule is don't just google how do i start an llc go to whatever state you're in let's say you're in california go to secretary of state california establish a trade name and establish your llc it should take under a hundred dollars maybe it's more in california i don't know probably it's california um this person isn't in california uh, this person also is doing something for a friend already and collecting money. So you should already have an LLC. So that answers your question. Yeah. You Number should. two, what about insurance? You need professional liability, which is your If heirs. you're practicing architecture, is that the question? What kind yes. of insurance for that? Yeah. Yes. Errors and omission, you know, insurance. Yep. And the way to find that out is you can Google your city and, and do that. You can call people up, um, call other firms up. And then the question is, Hey, have you done professional liability, um, errors and omission for an architect or an engineer firm? They said, no, but we probably can say, hey, that's great. Let me get your information and keep calling around until you find someone that has done it for one of the firms in town. Then you go with them unless their prices are crazy. Okay. Question three, what are your thoughts about going on your own? Uh, I would like to start my own firm. My fear is not having steady streams of clients and of course not having the ability to tap into someone's knowledge, AKA my boss. I, you, just so you know, you never lose the fear of not having a steady stream of clients. Oh, <laughs> I was hoping you had that reaction. <sighs> as an entrepreneur, what you do is you wake up broke and guess what your minimum wage is? Zero. That's how it works every single day. It, it, you, I mean, you're not really broke, but you think that in your head, right? I mean, you have, when, especially when you start getting like up to where we're at, eight, eight to 12 employees, the bills get bigger and bigger, insurance, everything. Everything gets bigger and bigger, and, and, and you just learn how to, how, to, how to work within that kind of stress level and accept it and, and, and hopefully thrive. So it, that stuff never goes away. So if you can get comfortable with that fact that, oh, that never goes away, then always know that you have to be hungry and you're going to go out there and find it. I think it's just like anything else. Um, like I there's this, there's this universal intelligence in, in the universe. I believe it. And like the butterfly effect, it's real. It's the, the woo woo is totally hundred percent real. So if you 
make up your mind that I'm going to do this and you focus on it and you write down the goal of I'm going to find steady work. It's going to happen. And then you have to go out there and you have to put yourself out there. You Maybe it's joining um, the Chamber of Commerce. Maybe it is calling up every single contractor in town and taking them all out to coffee, not at once, individually, and saying, hey, here's what I do. Here's how much I cost. I'm willing to do anything. Um, and, and be hungry and have that, kind of, have that kind of passion right at first and get some bread and butter work underneath here. And to be perfectly blunt, there are people that cannot sell. They cannot sell, or if they want to learn, it will take them so long that if they started on their own, it would not work out. So besides your friend, get one out of their client. And when I mean get one out of their client, I mean actually have them sign something, right? And this person asks about a contract. We can't release that right now. These were in responses to uh, we want to do a course and, and help people out. In that course, we'll have example contracts yeah. and, and, and all that. Um, so you're gonna have to figure that out on, on your own for now, but if the reason why you, you need to be able, you need to be able to sell and then you need to go find a different mentor and then you need to listen to that's them. what it is. A mentor. Yeah. We found a mentor right away. We did. We did. We did. Jerry Bolin, awesome guy out of Colorado. And then you need to listen to them and do what they say unless you think you have a better idea and know that you should weigh down your, your better idea. You know, um, It depends on your age. If you're under 25, know that your ideas are questionable. I'm not saying wrong. Questionable. <laughs> I'm just saying we're trying to help out some people. And they listen today. Al had a breakthrough with one, somebody like that today. It was amazing. Yeah. And um, what, book, what book helped you for that breakthrough, Al? Never, uh, don't split the difference. Boom. Um, can you Google that and find the name right now? I'm don't split. Of, don't split the difference. Huh? Yeah, and uh, you need something some boss. Okay. Um, Keep going. And it was just about how to. In the book's advice, actually, isn't as divisive. Chris, Chris Voss. Is Chris, it never split the difference? Never split the difference. Yep. Yeah. Um, and there's a strategy to this kind of negotiation that we had, and and it worked out. Don't be afraid of the title. It's a good book. Um. But go to, how would you find, uh, Lance, how would you find, how would you find a local mentor? Uh, first place, Entree Architect uh, Facebook group. Say, hey, my name is Bob. Are there any uh, architects in, in this city that would mind helping me out in mentoring? Just put it out there. There might be someone. Yep. Because there's like a thousand people on there at least, I think. There's 5,000 people on the Ontario oh, Architect community okay. now. Yeah. yeah. So that's... Mark shaking his head listening That's 100 notes. people per state. So... Yeah. 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 It's a lot. I think that's a great idea. Uh, you could even try the, the business of architecture. That's a good That's a good group too. Enix Group. There you go. Enix Group is good. Um, yeah, and then Chamber of Commerce. Maybe that's where finally I'm convincing myself like if I if we... like Hindsight's 2020, right? So we were in the Chamber for a while. Yep. It was okay. And then now I'm thinking like, man, if we could never found Jerry Boland, maybe if you're an architect and there's going to be a competing architect there, maybe they're okay with at least mentoring you. I have no idea. Well, or are you, like maybe you pitch it as like partnership. Hey, I'm going to get some work. I don't feel entirely comfortable doing it all by myself. Could I pay you a fee to overlook my work until you finally get to that yep. comfortability? And, and here's how you approach it. The Chamber of Congress will have a building. You walk in and you say, hey, can I talk to the head person? Um, normally they're very nice. They're very friendly because that's their, their MO. 
say, I'm thinking about joining the Chamber of Congress. Go ahead and join and say, I just have a question. I'm going to start an architecture practice. Here's where I'm at. Do you know anyone that you respect or that would possibly maybe be a mentor? And then uh, if they say a name, say, great, write it down. Maybe ask for another name. Go to these meetings. Ask a couple other people. Introduce yourself, blah, 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 and just ask them. And if anyone cross-pollinates and say the same name, focus on harassing that person, <laughs> right? Because they've been triangulated. Yeah. Love it. Well, good luck to you, sir. Or ma'am. Yeah. And then let's get, Lance, I think we should go to our mentor, our spirit animal, which is Nick Renard with Nick Reeds. And let's hear what he has to say. Hello, best friends. I hope you all had a great week this week. In a world of ice cream, I'm a homemade chocolate chip cookie. A reading. People look for the shortcut, the hack. And if you came here looking for that, you won't find it. The shortcut is a lie. The hack doesn't get you there. And if you want to take the easy road, it won't take you to where you want to be. Stronger, smarter, faster, healthier, better, free. To reach goals and overcome obstacles and become the best version of you possible will not happen by itself. It will not happen by cutting corners, taking shortcuts, or looking for the easy way. There is no easy way. There's only hard work, late nights, early mornings, practice, rehearsal, repetition, study, sweat, blood, toil, frustration, and discipline. Discipline. There must be discipline. Discipline. The root of all good qualities. The driver of daily execution. The core principle that overcomes laziness and lethargy and excuses. Discipline defeats the infinite excuses that say, Not today. Not now. I need a rest. I will do it tomorrow. What's the hack? How do you become stronger, smarter, faster, healthier? How do you become better? How do you achieve true freedom? There is only one way. The way of discipline. Discipline equals freedom. Field Manual. By Jocko Willink. Lance. Al. Have a fabulous weekend. I know for sure one of you will. Toodles. What shirt am I wearing? Discipline equals freedom. That's hilarious. Um, this gets Lance right to the point. There is no shortcut. So jumping off on your own is going to be hard and it's going to take discipline. And that's why people don't do it until they get fired or a recession happens. Yep. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. There's a couple other quotes I want to read. Um, so I love it. I, just, I always love how like our episodes, when when we now step into this little conference room and, and do, do this podcast, like... Sometimes we step in and we don't know what the hell we're going to talk about and we kind of do it on the fly. Um, we're not, that's rare. But then, like, it all comes back into a big circle, right? It's like it's like we're on this path and we, we chose this and it's all coming back on itself. So the, there's all these amazing quotes that I'm taking from the book I'm reading too, which is like, and it piggybacks on top of this. One of them was, success takes the backbone to do many of the things we do not like to do. 
And if and again, so if you get comfortable with that, then then you you'll be successful. A body in motion continues to stay in motion. A body at rest finds excuses to stay at rest. Uh, work is a loyal friend, not a passionate lover. So all of those things, like there's no life hack. This life hack crap, it, there isn't. There's only the impact, right? There's only the impact activities, the impact hour. Uh, there's only the hard work. There's only there's only sweating, grinding, and everything like that. And yes, you do get to these great moments in life and time periods in life where things are at least semi-automated, right? So like you, 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 then that allows you to be a little bit more free, right? Because you've disciplined yourself and then you get to the freedom. Love it. I love it. So if you feel like you need a, a, a bowl of discipline, go to revitrocketship.com and learn some Revit and discipline yourself to be better so that you're more valuable, so that you can bring in more cash, so that you know what you're doing, so that you are more confident and I think your life automatically like 10 X's probably, probably, probably. Um, so if you need to learn Revit, go to revitrocketship.com. If you need components for Revit, uh, go to our cat, get them, get them, check it out. If you have a friend who continues to stay at rest, but needs a kick in the butt and needs to hear it from a couple of guys who refuse to stay at rest, share this episode with them. Uh, especially as they start school, if you have if you have a if you have a, a student that was been working for you this summer and they haven't listened to the, the podcast, please share episodes this episode with them and then tell them to start at episode zero after that and follow through the whole thing. And please, last thing, uh, do the work that some people don't want to do. Leave us a five star review on iTunes, and we will see you next week.